Let's take our Bibles. It's time for Bible study time and preaching. Amen. And I want you to turn with me to two passages of Scripture tonight. We did that this morning. First passage I'd like you to go to tonight is Colossians chapter 4. And then I want you to look in your Bible. If you sneeze, you'll miss this one book. It's the book of Philemon. It's only one chapter. Amen? And uh, one chapter and one page, the book of Philemon. You put your finger on both both sections there. Tonight for the reading, we're just going to look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 to 9. And members, if you'll look around, if somebody new to the church or somebody's just gotten saved or somebody's just come back, doesn't have a Bible, doesn't know where these books are, would you be kind enough to help them find their place? Amen? And we're going to have a wonderful time in the study of God's Word tonight from Colossians chapter 4, verses 7, uh, verse 9 tonight, and then in the book of Philemon this evening. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Colossians 4, verse 7. I spoke from verses 2 through 6 yesterday at our so many challenge for just a couple of minutes. And that's just some great thoughts there. But I want you to notice verses 7 and 9 tonight. And then we'll be spending most of our time in the book of Philemon this evening there. Okay, Say amen if you're there. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he may know your, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things which are done here. I call your attention to verse nine to a, a Christian who is a very obscure person. He doesn't come up in most discussions. Probably the only time he comes up is if you're going through a systematic study of the Bible or if you're having your devotions. And that Christian's name tonight is found in verse nine. His name is Onesimus. Say that with me tonight. Onesimus. And Onesimus, his name means profitable. And I want you to just see a study with me tonight that kind of just goes in line with some things we've been emphasizing for the last few weeks here about the profitable Christian. Onesimus was a man who Paul said was a profitable Christian. By his very name, he's known as profitable. We want to see some things tonight about this man by the name of Onesimus. Now, Heavenly Father, this evening... Already we've been encouraged and challenged by the congregational singing. Thank you for singing the hymns of the faith. And thank you, God, for the challenge our choir gave us tonight and singing about the value of one and to God for reaching souls. And God, tonight, thank you for the prayer time we had as a church for our Easter outreach. And thank you, God, for a large number of people at church today and visitors who came back and first time visitors in church. And thank you, Lord, for people, even as they streamed in tonight, saying, Pastor, thank you for the God. God answered this prayer or something of that nature that happened. We just give you the glory and praise for all that. And we realize this evening to you alone, it belongs the glory and the honor forever and ever. And tonight, Lord, we, we need something from God. Our souls are thirsty. God, we feel like, Lord, we're just got at the place where we need something great from God. And, and David said, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And Father, I pray you stir up an appetite and a hunger and a thirst for your word. And God, I pray that you'll help us to have a desire to be just like this man who seems to be somewhat of an obscure Christian. This man by the name of Onesimus, who I consider one of the great Christians of the first century. And God, tonight, would you work through me and past me? And tonight, 
I pray that you would help me to be a spirit anointed and spirit saturated preacher to this evening for your congregation. I pray that you feed the souls of your people here. Lord, I pray that even as you've been in this service from the get go, we acknowledge you as the chief shepherd and bishop of our soul, the great shepherd of the sheep who who through the blood of the everlasting covenant seeks to make us perfect, complete to do all the will of God. And it could be tonight that some young man might get his calling to the gospel ministry. And it could be tonight that somewhere along the way that there's some reconciliations that will happen. And maybe it might be along the way that someone will... We'll deal with that root of bitterness that's in their heart. And it may be along the way, dear God, that, that God, we sense the importance of having the power of God in our life. And whatever it may be this evening, we pray that, Lord, that this passage of Scripture we'll study tonight will help us and bless us. And thank you, God, that your word is a medicine to our soul. And we need the bomb of Gilead to be a salve on our souls and our wounded hearts. And the Bible says, a wounded spirit, who can bear? And tonight we pray that there be some healing of wounded spirits. And, Lord, we pray for consciences that are that would be made good consciences once again. And we pray for weakened consciences that have have stumbled because of some perceptions that may not be biblical or perceptions that may not be right. We pray those wounded consciences would be made strong or weakened consciences be made strong tonight. Oh, God, meet with us this evening. We pray your blessing tonight in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to skip the introduction for just a minute this evening, just so we can get right into the message because of time. This evening, we're looking at what it means to be a profitable Christian, to be someone who's benefited. Official, someone who is valuable. You might say how to be a VIP Christian, a very important person in somebody else's life tonight. I'm thankful we sang tonight, make me a blessing. That should be our prayer each and every day, amen? And that should be our prayer as a Christian. Lord, make me to be a blessing to someone else. Help me, Lord, to be someone who gives a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to somebody else here and to be a blessing to them. And we're going to look at a Christian tonight who didn't start out that way as an unbeliever, but after he got saved, he became a very important person. Tonight, we are looking at this man by the name of Onesimus. Look again at verse 9, if you would. Paul said this, I'm sending a letter. I'm sending Tychicus to you, to the church at Colossae. He said, I'm sending with him Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They shall make known unto you all things that are done here. But you notice several things about this man by the name of Onesimus in our study tonight. First of all, would you notice Onesimus the captive? We're introduced to Onesimus in the book of Philemon. He is a slave. He is a captive. He was a slave. He was the, he was the property and the possession of a man by the name of Philemon. Go with me to Philemon if you would. The book, little book of Philemon, just a few books over. And we'll notice some things about this because we need to understand who Philemon is. Is in order to understand Onesimus. We'll look at Philemon. Onesimus was the captive of a man by the name of Philemon. As we open to the beginning verses there in the book of Philemon, we read where this man Philemon was a dear, dear friend of the Apostle Paul. Paul and Philemon, somewhere along the way, met each other and became very dear friends. And Philemon, if you would, is given some some words of praise and commendation uh, as being a friend of the Apostle Paul and as being a member of the church at Colossae. You want to make note of that. He is a member of the church at Colossae. Now, some things Paul commends Philemon about are found in verses 5 to 7. Notice, first of all, he commends him for being a member of the church and for opening up the church, his house for the church. In verse 2, it says, Paul says this, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. 
And to our beloved Aphia and Archibus, our fellow soldier, and the church in thy house. Now, I can't prove this, but my conjecture is this. I believe that Philemon opened his home up for where the church at Colossae meant. Back in those days, they didn't have buildings like we have. They didn't, the, the church had not arrived at that point where they realized they needed structures like when, in terms of where we meet. But they met in homes, and they packed as many people as they could. They met in homes that were not multi, multi-room homes. There may, at most, may have been two, maybe three rooms in those homes so they met in the common area where the people lived and a lot of times the common area is kind of the, what their living room their kitchen their dining area and in many cases where they slept and this man Philemon was a generous man he was a godly man he was a giving man and he opened his home up for the church of Colossae to meet there it could very well be that was the starting point for the church of Colossae we don't know that we don't have any historical record of that but we know one thing the church was in his house we know something else this man Philemon is commended for, for the church being in his house and for a godly wife by the name of Aphia. And I just want to say this. Thank the Lord for godly wives and wives that are that are helped me to their husbands and a blessing to the church and a blessing to the pastor and encouragement to the work of God and try to give a cup of cold water in Jesus name. And, and Aphia, of course, is being praised. But somebody else is being praised. Not just Philemon, not just Aphia, but also their son Archippus. And Archippus, I believe, became the interim pastor at perhaps at that moment of time. Because if you go back to Colossians 4.17, Paul gives an admonition to Archippus. He says, I want you to take heed to the ministry which you were given. Now, it's my belief as I read through the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 4, I believe that Epaphras was the pastor for many, many years, for a long period of time there at the church at Colossae. But, Arch- but, Arch- but Epaphras at that moment of time was not a Colossi. Epaphras was over in the prison in Rome where, Rome where where Paul was at. He was there ministering to Paul and being a friend to Paul and helping Paul. And he came to Paul at his time of need there. And so the, the church needed a pastor that could take a stand and be in the pulpit. And Paul wrote the book of Colossians both to strengthen uh, Archippus as well as the church at Colossi. So you'll notice here in verse 2 that they're commended for their, for their family. Notice secondly in verse 5 he's commended for his faith. He says hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints. Now that speaks volumes to me because when you talk about people, there's two things that need to stand out. When you talk about a, a Christian who is a very important person. Again, we're going to get about Onesimus in just a minute. Philemon is commended for his love and for his faith. And he's not only commended by Paul, but it's because of the good report that Epaphras gave to Paul about, about Philemon there at the church at, 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 at Colossae there. He says, you know, there's two things that stand about the man. He's a man who loves his church. He's a man who loves the members. He's a man who loves his family. But most important, he's a man that loves Jesus. Amen. And not only that, he just his love, but the faith that he had in God. And, you know, I, I can imagine this man as the church was starting out. That it took great faith to see that church started. And as the church started adding people, it takes great faith to sustain the church. And you know, in churches, they, as they, there's a chemistry about a church when it hits certain levels that sometimes a church can get stuck at certain levels and, and they need to get that next level there. And it's, and, it, and there's this matter of vision, but there's matter of faith that we must have about, about all of that. And, uh, we must have faith and believing that God's gonna take us to that next level. And so, this man had great faith. He wasn't the pastor, but he shared in the pastor's faith and he had great faith with that. And I just wanna tell you tonight, I'm 
I'm just thankful for men in our church who share the faith of their pastor and have a faith and believe the same thing. That if that's what God wants to do, bless God, let's go after it. Amen. We're going to get it done. And that, that was the faith that these pet people had. And so he's commended for his family. He's commended for his faith. Notice in verse six, verse five and six, he's commended for his feelings. Notice the Bible says that the communication of thy faith will become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You know, faith, hope, and love go together as Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 13. And this man, the communication of his faith, the fellowship of his faith, the giving of his faith, if you would, was something that was being uh, was a blessing. And then notice verse 7, he's commended for his fellowship in the church here. He says, for we, for we have great joy and consolation of love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. When he talks about the bowels of the saints, he's talking about the, the inner person, the heart of the people. And all I want to say tonight as we look at Onesimus, this man Philemon was a man who was in many ways just an influential person who was a blessing to the local New Testament church. Now, thank God today, we've got people in this room that are blessing to the local New Testament church. And I want to commend you to just keep on being a blessing to the church and realize that your purpose in church is not to fill a seed and your purpose in the church is not to Find something that you can pick a fault in. Your purpose in the church is to come to church and be a blessing to brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. We, I mean, that's just what church is all about. Just to be a blessing and, you know, shake somebody's hand and say, man, I'm so glad to see you. So glad that you're back. I'm so glad to see people back. But now, Brother Robin, it's good to see you back. Miss Christie, it's good to see you back. You've been battling sickness and watching me by live stream. And I'm better up front than I am in live stream. Amen. You know, and so, but, you know, you have to deal with all those things like that. And I'm glad that I'm glad my daughter and Brother Solomon are in church with baby Evie. They're I saw them come in. Did they slip out? The baby started crying there. She slipped out. But I'm glad they came to church. You get them back in there, amen, you know. But, uh, but I'm so glad to see people in church who've been out for long periods of time. And that's a wonderful thing. And this man Philemon is commended for all those things. He's commended for being a great encourager. But remember, as the local church is getting started there, there were practices and things that prevailed in that first century that were not undone. And slavery was still a big issue. We don't believe in slavery, amen? We don't believe anybody should have captive anybody, but that's how they practice things. Onesimus was the slave of Philemon. He was his property. A slave had no, had no rights. A slave was to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A slave had no choice in matters. A slave had to do what they were told to do. And this man, Onesimus, was a slave to this man, Philemon. As a slave, he may have had days, possibly, (coughs) I don't think so, but it could be (laughs) he had days where his wages were withheld and unpaid. If you go back to, uh, if you go back to Colossians chapter four, verse one, listen to what Paul said to the masters. And I think he has in mind not just Philemon, but because I believe that the, that tri-city area of Colossae, Hierapolis, and Laodicea, I believe it was a well-to-do area. And we know that because of what we know about the church in Laodicea, that it was a very well-to-do church as we read over in Revelation chapter three. But notice Paul says this, and he mentions this over in, in the book of Ephesians as well, there too, and the book of Romans. He says, masters, give to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Hey, listen, most slaves were unpaid or are best underpaid. They had a rough life. Man, you think you have it hard. You don't have it hard. You, you got labor laws. They didn't have labor laws then, amen? 
I mean, they, they, they had, I mean, literally you get the term, you have to get to work at the crack of the whip that came from that, from that situation. They cracked the whip on their backs. And listen, slaves had it very, very hard. And I'm not suggesting that Philemon did those kind of things, but Philemon had this man who was a slave and as a slave for as far as the nest was concerned, life was difficult. And by the way, no matter how big this house was that Philemon had, everybody in the church at Colossae knew that Onesimus was a slave to Philemon. Now keep that in back of your mind. Everybody knew that. And so Paul is seeing these things as Paul, as you can imagine, as the, as the New Testament church is unraveling itself and it's kind of just emerging out there and just venturing out. There, there are just some things and practices and things that Paul had to address to his epistles that deal with that, that you might call them social rights. I think they're more or less, if you would, spiritual rights that needed to be, be equalized and dealt with there. And Paul had to deal with this, so helping people understand there's neither bond nor slave or, or any of those that are free in Jesus Christ. All are one in Jesus Christ there. And so Paul is dealing with this matter. We see Onesimus, who is a captive. He is a slave. I'm reminded tonight, without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a slave to sin. I wonder how many of us tonight are saved, but we've got a nagging sinful habit that we're still a slave to. And I just want to tell you tonight, if that's in your true of your life, you can find liberty in Jesus Christ. Amen. You can find freedom in Jesus Christ. Those, those chains can be broken. That bondage can be broken. That addiction can be broken. God is more than able. And I'm saying tonight, maybe you're like that. And I pray that tonight, maybe this might be the service where you'll find release and deliverance from the Lord. So we see Onesimus, the captive. Notice, secondly, we see Onesimus, the criminal. Now, this gets to be a pretty tough passage right now. Because as we read the book of Philemon... And we read the book of Colossians. Onesimus is not in Colossae. Onesimus is over in Rome with Paul. Onesimus ran away from Philemon. He did two things that are punishable by Roman law that could be considered capital crimes. Number one, he stole from him. We read this as we wave our way through the book of Philemon. He stole from the apostle Paul. Let me tell you what. It's a bad thing to steal. Let me say it again. It's a bad thing to steal. We get used to hearing about robberies. It's a bad thing to steal. If you're the victim, you know what I'm talking about there. Amen. One day, Onesimus got up and he'd been plotting and plotting and plotting and thinking and he stole and he went away with property and possessions and money and goods and he ran away. Number one, he stole. Number two, he ran away. Both of those things were punishable by Roman law. He was a criminal. Now, I want you to put yourself in Philemon's place for just a minute. Here's Philemon, Paul commends him in verses 5, 6, and 7 about his faith and his love and his communication to the saints. And the saints, their balls are refreshed by thee. But listen, if you were the one that got ripped off substantially, and you were the one that your, your slave ran away with, and you were the one, as you go to church, there's this shame and this embarrassment that you've been taken advantage of, and someone did you wrong, and someone in your own household did you wrong. How would you feel about that situation? And I cannot interpret for Philemon, but I get the gist as I read through this, that Philemon was very... Very well aware of Roman civil and criminal laws. He understood what the law said. And I think as we read through this, there's somehow there's something that tells me that Philemon had a very bad taste in his mouth because an injustice had been committed to him. Now be truthful tonight, Christian. Be truthful now. 
when an injustice happens to you, what does that do to your faith? I mean, think of me for a minute. What does that do to you? I've watched people over the years get morphed. And altered. And metamorphosized. By events. And things. They're unwilling to forgive for. And churches can never have revival when that happens. And God puts a seal upon the blessing he wants to give the church because there are people that just in their hearts, they feel like, well, you know, you don't understand, Pastor, that this injustice happened to me. In fact, some people feel like injustice happened to them and they can't let go of it. And I kind of wonder, as you think about this man Philemon, everybody knew that Onesimus ran away. And when the shockwaves went out, it was kind of an unspoken thing. You didn't want to talk about it. But, but deep down in Philemon's heart, he's thinking, you know, if this guy ever gets caught, he needs to get what he actually deserves. He needs to go to jail at best, at, at, at worst. And most likely, I don't have a problem if he goes through capital punishment. Whoa. What would you do if you were Philemon? How would this affect your faith? Would you be gun shy of people? I'm not going to deal with people anymore. Definitely, I'm not going to deal with people like that that are still in the church. What would your attitude be? And I'm reminding you tonight that we had that attitude about that. And, you know, we think about two things that happened to Philemon. Number one, Philemon was robbed. He was ripped off. Number two, he had a slave that ran away. But can I ask you a question? Let's bring it down to the level where God is at. How do you think God feels when we take from him? Will a man rob God? Where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Let me tell you tonight, if you've been a long-term member of the church, if you haven't gone on board with Jesus and gone on board with giving for the Lord, I mean, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. How do you think God feels? We make a promise, but we don't give. We signed that faith promise card, but we have yet to participate. You said, Pastor, I'm in the I'm in it for giving by faith, but we have yet to participate. And by the way, we haven't begun to give. Tithe, tithing is a requirement that God owns that. We haven't started giving to after the tithe. Amen. Why do you think God feels? But how do you think God feels when we run away? We run from our problems. We run from our issues. We don't want to confront it. We sit there and we're just like I was the night that the first Sunday I ever came to a Bible preaching church. I sat in front of that chair and I held, I helped, literally I held the, the metal chair like this. I said, man, I, I got to get out of here. I got to get out. I didn't want to go forward. I didn't want to do right. And I was relieved when the preacher prayed his closing prayer and said, amen. And I made my way out shaking the hand of the preacher and wanted, I hope he doesn't corner me. He doesn't buttonhole me. And he tried to do that. And I was trying to fight the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And listen, as Monday, then, then, then I got, got out and I went, Whew. I'm away from that. And Monday came along and Tuesday came along and Wednesday came along and Thursday came along. And I'm going to tell you right now, when Friday came along, I'm feeling pretty good. 
Because the conviction has kind of withered away and was diminished and I didn't feel as strong about it. And when Saturday came and my friend called me up and said, would you like to go to church on Saturday? I said, no, not really, because I had planned for six days exactly what I was going to say to him. And I felt pretty good until the doorbell rang upstairs and dad normally would get the door and open the door in the city bulk. And he says, go upstairs again. I thought, man, I'm the sacrificial lamp tonight. Amen. And I went upstairs and opened the door and there, God, God bless him. There was a Sunday school teacher who at that time had just graduated from Tennessee Temple School of the Bible. He had spent one year there. It was probably more far for God at that one time in his life than ever before at any other time. And he came and he says, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, I remember you. He said, listen, I was your Sunday school teacher. The pastor asked me to come and tell you about Jesus. Mabel Choi's mother got saved. She says something very interesting. She said, I'm thankful my daughter started going when she was seven. I'm thankful the church was like a parent to her. Now, I've waited. I'm just going to throw this out there tonight. I've waited, and I'm going to wait till after we get past the Easter musical. God's worked on my heart on a lot of things over the last couple of years of the things we need to do in our church. We're not doing But that mother said that to me. And that's not the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth time. That's, I've heard that. What do you think God thinks about us when we run away? Instead of running forward, we're running backwards. Instead of running to him, we're running from him. That's what Jonah did. He said, rise and go to Nineveh. It was a very simple command, a very easy to understand command. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message I give you. What did he do? He said, I'm going to look for a ship going downwards to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof, and he went inside that ship and went down to the bottom. Well, everybody else was concerned about that ship sinking. He wasn't bothered by it at all because he just denied it. He just decided, I'm going to live in a state of denial about this. And listen, tonight, there's only so far you can go living in a state of denial. There a time will come when a great awakening from God will happen from, to, to you and me. We see Onesimus a captive. We see Onesimus a criminal. But you notice something else here. We find this over here in verses 10 and 11. Do you notice with me tonight Onesimus and his conversion? I'm glad about that tonight. Amen. Here's this man Onesimus. He wants to get away from the apostle Paul. And he runs away. And he plots his mind. I guess where I'm going to go. I'm going to get as far away from Colossae as possible. Remember Colossae is in that area called Asia Minor. Which is now modern day Turkey. And if you get your Bible map and look at it later on, he makes a long journey. And I think he stole enough money that he could board his ship. He would take a ship somewhere to get him all the way over to Rome, there to Italy. And he would make his way there. And he said, I'm going to get far away. I'm just going to immerse myself with the crowd there at Rome. Nobody's going to know who I am. I'll get a new set of clothes and I'll change my life. And of all things, listen, of all things, he's down there in Rome thinking he's run away from Philemon. He doesn't have to worry about his conscience. He has to worry about all these things. And of all things, he meets the Apostle Paul down there in Rome. And he meets the apostle Paul. Paul starts caring for him. And Paul doesn't realize that moment of time that that's Philemon's slave. 
He doesn't realize the close association that Onesimus has with his good friend Philemon. But Paul has been a good soul winner. He's just saying, you know, he prayed. He asked the Colossians to pray for him. In Colossians chapter 4, he says, hey, pray for me that God would give me a door of utterance to make the gospel known, the mysteries of Christ known as I ought to speak. He said, pray for me because he said, man, I'm so used to my day-by-day routine that I'm kind of getting used to this. And I'm getting a little bit gun-shy about it, just like you and me. You, you see the same people every day. You feel a little bit of resistance about, about talking them about the Lord, but listen, we need to pray for a door of utterance that God will give us as we, we minister for him. And of all things, Onesimus makes his way down there in Rome, and he's down there, and he meets the Apostle Paul, and he, you can imagine, he says, well, sir, what are you in here for? He said, for preaching the gospel. And he says, you know, it's kind of funny. He says, I grew up in a home where the gospel was being preached. And he's down there, and here's the pastor Epaphras down there ministering to Paul. And Epaphras is mainly known for his faithfulness and for his praying. And he, and you know, you could look at Onesimus, and he looked at Epaphras. He says, "I know that man from somewhere." And Epaphras looked at him. He says, "I know that man from somewhere. I've seen him before somewhere." And of all things, as we read Philemon chapter one verse ten, the apostle Paul gets the gospel of Philemon. And notice what happens in verse ten: "I beseech thee, for notice my son Onesimus, who am begotten in my bonds." Philemon got saved. He got truly born again. He got salvation deep in his heart. He got Jesus' heart. Paul speaks of him as his son in the faith and who he'd begotten in his bonds. He says he got saved while I was in my slavery situation. I think Paul's playing upon words as he's writing there to Philemon there. But I want you to notice a couple of things that stand after me about his conversion for just a minute. Number one, I want you to think about the word redemption with me. As Paul is talking to this man, he starts to realize something about the past that goes on with Onesimus. He starts to realize <coughs> that Onesimus was a slave. And now he, Paul, the wheels are turning in Paul's mind because he knew enough about Roman law thinking, okay, if you were a slave, what are you doing here in Rome? How did you escape your master? How did you get away? I know your master did not pay for you to have a vacation from Colossae all the way here to Rome, amen? They didn't have cruise ships back in those days, so I know you didn't make a cruise ship down here, amen? And he says, what are you doing here? And he started realizing what's going on with this man. And listen, I believe Paul, as he spoke to this man, because we find this being used in Colossians 1.14. The Bible says in Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And the word redemption means this. I'm going to read it to you. The word redemption means this, to release by payment of a ransom. It means to liberate or set free by payment of a ransom price. Every slave was bought for 30 pieces of silver on the open market. That's how Onesimus was, unless he was born in the household of Philemon, which we don't have any indication of that. <clears throat> so most likely Philemon bought him on the slave market. He paid 30 pieces of silver and he became his property. And Paul starts talking about redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hey, do you get it? He starts saying, listen, Onesimus, you are a slave to Philemon, but more importantly, you are a slave in sin. And I want to tell you some good news. Jesus died for your sins and the payment price for your sins was his shed blood that flowed out of his hands and out of his side and out of his feet and that shed blood that flowed out of there was the payment price for your sins he gave his life for yours he said listen you've been set free by jesus blood you are liberated you can be redeemed right now and more precious than the blood silver and gold it's the precious blood of jesus christ and as he told that i can imagine philemon onesimus as tears are coming down his eyes and there's a quiver in his lip and there's a tug in his heart he's 
he's realizing, man, there's somebody that died for my sins. He said, man, I'm a thief and I'm a robber and I'm a runaway and I'm a no good and I, I'm living under the guilt of sin. And he said, there's a God in heaven and Jesus that loves me. He said, somewhere along the way, I heard about that Jesus there at the church at Colossae. But man, it's really real right now because I'm talking to a man who's a slave and captive right now for preaching the gospel. And I could tell right now, there's, we read this on Esmas and feel like, I've got to get saved right now. Mind you, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2.6, Christ gave himself a ransom for all men to be testified in due time. The singer-actor Frank Sinatra had a son named Frank Sinatra Jr. Some of you might remember this. Frank Sinatra Jr. was kidnapped, and they said, we'll set him free for $200,000, which is a lot of money today. It was a lot of money back in that day. He paid the ransom price. But I remind you this morning, this evening, brother and sister in Christ, the greatest ransom price paid for every sinner was the shed blood and life of Jesus Christ for all of our sins. We see his redemption. He calls him his son who he begot, who was begotten in his bond. But notice, secondly, notice his results. And Nesimus just didn't pray a prayer and he went off and you didn't see him for six months. <coughs> hey, beloved, let me tell you today, when we're dealing with the sinner, they need to know it's a big deal when you get saved. You're not adding Jesus to yourself, God. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not equating salvation to something similar to a, an addiction program. No, listen, when you get saved, you are brought into the family of God. Your sins are washed away. You are forgiven. Listen, you're, you're an, you're an heir of God and joined in with Jesus Christ. You've been given the gift of eternal life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There's something very precious about that. We read verse 10, Onesimus was saved. But go back with me to Colossians, but you notice something very interesting. You may have not noticed this before. In Colossians 4 9, he says this Onesimus, <coughs> who is one, who is a faithful and beloved brother. And notice the next phrase, who is one of you. When did he become one of them? He's talking about church membership. When did he become just like them? i tell you what happened. He got saved down there at Colossae. And he heard the gospel. And then Pastor Epaphras, who was there ministering to Paul, got all excited about what's going on. And I can see Epaphras and Paul talking. Well, this man is saved. And men, listen, we need to get him into the baptismal waters. And listen, not only did he get saved, this man got submerged. He got into the baptismal waters. He said, who baptized him? I believe Pastor Epaphras baptized him because the authority for baptism was given to Pastor Epaphras, and Pastor Epaphras baptized that man, and he got submerged. And listen, when he got submerged, when he went under the water, at that time he came back out of the water, he became a member of that local New Testament church, which was there at Colossae. And Paul proudly writes to the church at Colossae, the people that vaguely knew him, and people that really knew him. He says, I write to you about Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. He got saved. Was submerged. Notice you go back there here in verse 9, you go back to the book of Philemon. He started serving. 
He had what I said about Rahab this morning over there in Joshua chapter two. There was substantiate. She was a, I said Rahab was a substantiated father. She substantiated that she was truly saved. And listen, Onesimus truly substantiated that there was a change in his life. Jesus came to his soul and he got saved. And listen, he's got saved. And he got submerged and he got started serving. But listen, more than that, notice verse 11. He was substantial in his faith. Read over there in verse 11 there of Philemon. It says, Paul says this. <clears throat> Which in time past was to thee unprofitable. It was useless. It was good for nothing. But now. Profitable. He became a blessing. He was beneficial. He was productive. I remind you tonight of 1st Timothy, 1st Peter 2, 5, brother and sister Christ, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, the moment we get saved, we become a whole, we are, we are priests in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that over and over again. We believe the priest of the believer that we can go directly to God, but as a priest of God, Jesus Christ, we are to offer spiritual sacrifices continually to the Lord. Listen, sometimes those sacrifices are by our lips as Hebrews 13 talks about but many times that sacrifice is the giving of our life and the giving of our resources that we offer spiritual sacrifice God, listen your purpose for being the local new testament church is to build the church up and to be a blessing to the church and help the church to go forward for the glory of god to advance the gospel message the church is not here to meet and to eat and not here just to fellowship listen we're there to advance the gospel of jesus christ for his glory so we see Onesimus' conversion now I want you to imagine as Paul is writing this letter, has written this letter, and Philemon is reading this letter, this is all unraveling to him. He's kind of like, wow, is this true? And Paul has written this on a personal level basis. So we see Onesimus, <coughs> who is a captive. We see Onesimus, who was a criminal. We see Onesimus, who's converted. But notice, fourthly, notice Onesimus and his conciliation. And this is the crux of this chapter, but not the crux of my message. A conciliation is making amends for past wrongs and injustices. In verses 10 to 21, the purpose for this letter, Paul is making an appeal to Philemon to take Onesimus back. Paul is... Delicately playing the role of an agent. He's a bargaining agent. He's trying to get two good friends that he has to get on the same page. <laughs> and you know, if you mess up, you won't wind up having two friends. You have two enemies. Amen. And Paul knew that. And as we read verses 10 to 21, Paul is not writing this out of the flesh. He's written this, he's writing this out of the Spirit of God by the leading of the Spirit. And he's prayed over this. And I believe Epaphras has prayed over this. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells us in, in Colossians 4.12, the Epaphras, who's one of you, he prays for you, labors fervently in your prayers that you stand perfect, complete in all the will of God. And I believe included with that was one of the members of the church who was right there down there in Rome with him. And his name happened to be Onesimus. He said, Lord, we've got to pray that he was stand perfect, complete in all the will of God. And the will of God, listen, to me tonight, the will of God for him that day was that Onesimus needed to get back and get right with Philemon. And Philemon needed to get right with Onesimus. 
You say, Pastor Fong, what's God's will for you? God's will for you beyond all the, all the, all, all the things that we talk about, what you can do. I was just reading the book of Jeremiah recently, and God's just working my heart on one particular verse about things I'll probably share in the days to come. But God's working my heart about certain things that just kind of stood out of me after I got back from Spiritual Leadership Conference Asia. But I remind you, when we get past all these, there's the daily things that God wants us that are part of His will. Listen, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The will of God is that we be filled with the Spirit of God. The will of God is that we pray without ceasing. The will of God is that we're in church, not out of church. The will of God is that we fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, not slothful and servant, doing nothing. So Paul is being very careful right now. Because he realizes he was a Pharisee before this. Pharisees didn't act as agents and brokers. As a Pharisee, you could just walk away and say, that's somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. But Paul's a man of God. He says, it's my problem now. He says, you know, I'm down here in prison and, you know, I've got two good friends and they've got to get this together. And I want you to see some things about what Paul does here in this conciliation. Would you write these things down? This is so important tonight. And this is still not the crux of the message. Are you with me tonight? Number one, which you notice verses 10 to 11, he gives a commendation. <clears throat> I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. In this commendation, the first thing Paul talks about, he says, I've got some good news I want to tell you, Philemon. And that good news I want to tell you is that Onesimus got saved, and Onesimus is right by me, and he's serving the Lord. He's my son in the faith, who I begotten in my bonds. I just want to tell you, he's saved. Listen, tonight you ought to get excited when people get saved. Man, I don't care whether you're a vibrant soul winner or not so vibrant soul winner. Everybody can get excited, stirred up when somebody gets saved. Amen. You said, well, I wasn't the soul winner. It's not about who the soul winner was. It's about the fact the Holy Spirit came and took God's word and embedded it in the heart of the sinner. And the sinner got under conviction. They said, I need Jesus right now to be my savior. You want to make my day? You want to make my week? You want to make me happy? Get somebody saved. Amen. The second, notice verse 11. He's not talking down on Onesimus. He didn't say things like we would do well. I know he messed you up. And I know that he's a slave. He didn't do that. He said in time past, he was to thee unprofitable. And if you have time, you go study those words. Unprofitable and profitable. I don't have time to develop that for you tonight. I have, I can, but I don't have time. <clears throat> He said, listen, before he was just a slave, he's, right now he's a brother beloved. He's somebody important. So Paul gives a commendation. Notice, secondly, go to verse 13. And notice he gives, a, in verse 12, he gives a command. And Paul said, whom I have sent again, <clears throat> thou therefore receive him. That is my own bowels. Hey, Paul is giving a twofold command here. Command number one is to Onesimus. 
And Paul was spending time nurturing him and mentoring him and discipling him, helping him grow in the Lord. And Paul goes on and talking about Philemon there in chapter 4, verse 9. He says that he is a faithful and beloved brother. He said, I'm sending him with Tychicus to give you a good report. But he says, right now, he said in verse 12, I want you to know something. I've given him a command that he needs to go back home. I've sent him back again. He needs to go back home. I've told Onesimus he needs to go back to you. He's going back home. He's not just going to Colossae. He's going to your address, whatever that might be, 2960 Merced Street. But he's going there to see you. But it's a twofold command. He was giving a command also to Philemon. He said, Philemon, I'm giving the command to Onesimus that he needs to go home and come to you. But I'm giving the command to you. You need to receive it. Notice verse 12. He says this. He says, whom I've sent again, that there thou therefore receive him. That is my own bowels. He says, I want you. Listen, when he used that term, my own bowels, he says, here's what I want you to listen to me. Listen to me. He said, Philemon, I want you to catch my heart. That's what he's saying. Receive him as my own bowels. I want you to catch my heart. Sometimes people say, well, we need to catch a pastor's heart. But I don't think you really know what you're saying. You say, catch a pastor's heart. And he's saying, I want you to receive him as my own bowels. I want you to know what stirs me up inside. What bothers me right now. What I'm praying about. This top of my prayer list. What, what, what gets me going right now. That's caused me a great burden. Is the fact that both of you need to get reconciled one with the other. And he says, I'm just sending him back to you. You need to receive him. And I want you to receive him. Not as a slave. I want you to receive him just like you'd receive me. What a command. <clears throat> you notice verses 13 to 14, we see a courtesy. And Paul said in verse 13, <clears throat> whom I would have received, retained with me. That in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Let me stop there. Paul's saying this, look at, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. I, I could have kept him here and just left it alone. And I could have just kept him here. And, uh, and notice verse 13, he says, whom I would retain with me, that in your place, he's doing what you used to do for me. He's, he's augmenting my needs and he's augmenting my time. And he's giving more time in the day and he's being a blessing to me and he's accountable to the things of God and he's serving the Lord. He's being a blessing to the things of God. And he says in verse 13 here, whom I've retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered to me in the bonds of the gospel. He says, I'm in the gospels and I've got restriction and I don't have, I can't do all the things I want. But listen, I've got this man who can go as my representative doing these things. He said, I can keep him here to do that, but that's not what God wants me to do. So in verse 14, notice what he says. <clears throat> Without thy mind, would I do nothing? Paul's saying this, watch, watch this. I'm not being presumptuous. Watch this. Paul's not saying, I'm using my apostolic authority. Paul's not saying this, I'm doing this as a preacher of the gospel. He says, but I would without thy mind. I'm coming to you as one gentleman to another gentleman. As one Christian to another. Without thy mind would I do nothing. That thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity. But willing. He says I'm not doing this to force you to do this. I'm not going to force you. Listen. Nobody can force you to get right with somebody else. He says. I'm sending him back. And I'm paving the way. So you have a willing heart to receive him as a brother. 
So he's coming to him in the spirit of courtesy. You know, it's a good thing for Christians to be kind to one another. Amen? Amen? What happened to Christian courtesy? What happened to being kind one to another? What happened to having kindness? You know, the best way we can show kindness, sometimes we live in a part of the country, everybody's opinionated. California's known for being opinionated. You know what? Let's be Christian, not Californians. Keep your opinion to yourself. Whatever comes into our mouth, it should be something that edifies. That's why I think Paul wrote Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always seasoned with salt. Having grace in your hearts. Because I believe those Colossian believers, those people there, because they were well-to-do and well-educated, Colossi, Hierapolis, Laodicea, they spoke the top of their head. You know, let's, let's not speak the top of our heads. Let's speak, you know, let's be like Paul. Let's be like Paul. My heart is enlarged and my mouth is open. Amen. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. He's saying here, and listen, Onesimus could stay here with me, and uh, but I want your approval, and I want you to buy into this, and I want you to be willingly to take him there. And he says, but listen, more important than Onesimus staying here with me, Onesimus needs to go back home to you. He needs to go back home where he belongs. He belongs at Colossae, not at Rome. He's fulfilled his time. He's fulfilled his purpose. He's grown here. The Lord sent him here that he might get saved. I found out about these things. Now he needs to get back home because there's a piece of the puzzle that still needs to be completed. And let me park on that tonight. I wonder how many of us have a piece of the puzzle that's incomplete. And the piece of the puzzle is this little piece of puzzle right here, but it's up to us to decide we're going to fit that little piece of the puzzle to make the picture complete. And so we see a commendation. We see, we see a captive, excuse me. We see a criminal. We see conversion. We see conciliation. We go down a little bit further. Paul is appealing to him. And notice in verses 15 to 17, he tells him here, we're still in, we're still in the fourth point. Notice he speaks about a clemency. <clears throat> in verses 15 to 17, Paul is appealing to Philemon for forgiveness of Onesimus. Perhaps, therefore, he departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not a one-time shot. He says, it could be that he left you so that God would lead him down here to Rome. And God did. So I could get to know him and tell him how he could get his chains that are holding him down to set him free, that his chains could be set free. And he says, it might be that this God's will for him to go back there to you so he can be with you forever. He says, I don't want him to go back and say, I'm sorry, and to do a Jacob job like Jacob did with Esau. And then he never made, made his face, they had their faces together again. He says, I want him to go back, and I want you both to be at peace with one another, and I want you to be amicable with one another, and I want you to be godly and Christ like one another. So he says in verse 15, for perhaps if he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Notice verse 16. Not now as a servant. Not as a bond slave. But as a brother. Hey listen. We got to get back into the Bible. And get rebaptized in the fact. The Bible truth. That all men are equal before Jesus Christ. To have respect to persons. Is a sin according to James chapter 2.
Perhaps therefore he departed for a season. Thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant. <coughs> but above a servant. A brother beloved. Especially to me. But how much more unto thee. Both in the flesh and in the Lord. Watch what Paul's saying here. Listen. It's important. He's important to me. But I believe tonight. He says I believe he's more important to you. Who's important to you in the church? Paul said some very, very startling in verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner. That word partner is the same word of communication that he speaks about Philemon's faith in verse 6. Receive him as myself. Hey Philemon, if you think we're associates. You think we're good friends. You think that, the, that we're, we're the best of friends. They said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take him back. Just like you take me. He's saying, I want you to forgive him. He says, change your view of Onesimus. He's no longer a slave that owes you something. He is a brother in Jesus Christ. He's exalted above his, whatever his occupation was and whatever his loneliness was. He is a brother beloved in Jesus Christ. He says, here I want you to do. The command of God is you need to take him back. And so we see Paul, as he's talking about this conciliation, he starts off by talking about, he gives a commendation, he gives a command, and he talks about this clemency. But notice verses 18 to 20, there's still an one unresolved issue. <clears throat> he still owed him money. Because Paul knew how the average Gentile and Jew thought in those days. He's thinking, well, that's fine. He can come back, but he has this huge IOU. He has this big debt he's got to repay. And that's fine, Paul. You talked about forgiveness, clemency. And so notice in verses 18 to 20, Paul talked about a compensation. If he has wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. If you've never done that, write in the margin there the word imputation. It's what the word imputation means. Put it on someone else's account. That's another message coming up for Sunday morning. If he owes you anything, and I know he does, charge it to me. And Paul goes on, man, he puts himself on the line, and he says in verse 19, For I, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand, I will repay. He said, listen, I'm writing this letter, this is my letter to you, I'm giving you a guarantee, I'm guaranteeing you, I will repay it. Here is in my own hand, with my signature, my, my handwriting, you have it right here. Paul saying, I, listen, I believe in this matter of conciliation between the two of you and you're getting back together. And I know he owes you a big debt and I know that he probably can't repay. But he says, listen, I love you and I love him and I love you both so much. I want you to get this back together. He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If you really feel you need your money back more than anything else, I will pay it back. The word imputation means all the sins that you and I have. We're put on Jesus' account to set us free. He said in verse 20, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. And Paul's writing this very carefully, very lovingly, the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> 
He says, let me have joy of thee. He says, listen, let this, let, you know, let, give me encouragement now, brother. He says, I think I know you. And I think I know what kind of person you are. And he, he says, I know your character. And he says, let me have joy of thee. He said, refresh my body. Be an encouragement to me. Because he said, right now, man, I'm in bondage right now myself. And I don't know when I'm going to get out of this situation here. And I'm sending this guy back. And I want you to understand, he's going, he's coming back here to you. And I want you to understand, he, he says, listen, I'm asking you to do something very big. But he said, what I'm asking you to do is Christ-like and Christian. It's biblical. And he says, if you do it, it's the right thing there. And listen, notice in verse, the final thing Paul says. Notice in verse 21 and 22. Notice the confidence that Paul speaks of there having confidence in thy obedience i wrote unto thee knowing that thou wilt do also more than what i say paul said this i got faith in you i got faith in onesimus and onesimus is going <clears> to <throat> come and seek your forgiveness but i need to have faith in you that i know that you're going to do what i've asked you to do and he says by the way i have so much confidence in you i have so much faith in you i have so much faith in your character and i have so much faith in your spirit and i have so much faith in the kind of christian you are he says i know you'll do more than what i'm asked you to do you'll exceed my expectations we live in a world and a society that everything's marginal in performance. That's the question. Last 30 days, did you give Jesus your best? We're just marginal like most people are in society. You gave him your leftovers and not your best. And our tendency is we set our schedule and Jesus is last. Hey, you set your schedule. Jesus is first. Huh? Can it be said of us? Can it be said of us? I know you'll do more than I'll say. I need some folks to go knock on 100 doors. I wonder, will somebody go knock on 200 doors? I need some folks that will say, listen, I, I'm going to try to get 10 visitors to church there on that particular day. I wonder, is there somebody who will say, I'll get 15? Now, remind you, this is not just Paul speaking here. This is, the, this is the Holy Spirit of God speaking through Paul. I know that you'll do more than I say. You'll exceed my expectations. So we see this conciliation. Paul's made this appeal. I want you to notice point number five tonight. We've seen Onesimus the captive. Onesimus the criminal. Onesimus is conversion. Onesimus is conciliation. Now, would you notice this with me? Look at the book of Philemon. Are you there? Say amen if you're there. Would you look all the way at the end of Philemon? It's in such small font, you probably need a magnifying glass to read this. Would you notice what it says there? Written from Rome to Philemon by Onesimus, a servant. Keep your finger there. Go with me to Colossians chapter 4. <clears throat> and go all the way to the end of the chapter. And it says, written from Rome to the Colossians by Tychicus and Onesimus. Are you with me tonight? Number five, would you notice Onesimus, the courier? Paul said this in Colossians 4, verses 7 to 9. <clears throat> All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, 
who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known to you all things which are done here. Would you watch what's going on here? Don't look at the passage anymore. Watch this now. Onesimus is a courier for two letters. Letter number one, he's carrying them at the same time. Because remember, he is a member of the church at Colossae through baptism there at the prison in Rome. When he was there with, with Epaphras and with Paul. And he's going back and he's being told, he's going back there. He is not, the last time he was there, he was an unsaved slave. He's going back there as a saved member of that church. And he's carrying two letters. Letter number one he's carrying is his letter to the Colossians to correct some doctrinal errors. And correct them in the faith and get them to live for Christ. And teach them about the crucified thrice. Where he says there in chapter 3 verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above not things of the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God he told them in Colossians 3.16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and singing among yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing making melody in your hearts to the Lord he said whatsoever you do do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ listen this is the same man he wrote those things down at the, at the words of the apostle Paul and now he's carrying this letter in the letter to Philemon listen he's the one he's giving it to Philemon Philemon is reading this letter as necessary is just standing right in front of him. I have several things I want to say about that. First of all, Paul had a dual purpose. Write these down, please. Number one, he wanted Onesimus to put closure on this relationship strain with Philemon. I'm going to tell you tonight there's a relationship straight tonight's a good night to put a closure on it by the writing of the holy spirit of god number two he wanted the believers at Colossae to meet a man who became a member of their church from many miles away he was sent back to deal with wrongs in his past He was sent back as a messenger just to bolster his morale a little bit. Paul sent Onesimus back with Tychicus. Remember that? And Tychicus was going to be the spokesman for the Apostle Paul and encouraging them and telling them about everything that God was doing for Paul down there at the prison in Rome. But he was also going to find out about their estate and find out what's going on with them so he could bring back that report to, back to the prison so that so that they could, the Paul and Epaphras could pray for them. But Paul was concerned at that time. I've got to kill two birds with one stone. I need to encourage the church at Colossae. But I know that if I can get Onesimus, Philemon to get right with each other, man, there could be a glorious revival in that church and some things could break out of that church that would be unprecedented for the glory of God. And would you notice this tonight? What Onesimus was told to do took a lot of courage. Because Onesimus was called, watch this tonight, to go face to face with his past. We live in a non-confrontational time. Most of us hide behind our email. And I get this even from you guys and staff sometimes, okay? And deacons. Well, should I respond to this in email? And my response is always, no, you go to them face to face. And people like to vilify 
and tear down and rip apart because it's easier, because I can do it on there. But the, but the Apostle John said this, having many things to write unto you, I would rather come and see you face to face. And some of us need to get out of Facebook and have some face time. And you know what Paul was saying here? I could have sent another courier. Watch this. This is so good. I could have sent another courier. I'm sending Onesimus. He's been discipled. His caliber of his faith. It's, I've asked him to do a hard thing, but he's going to get it done. He's going to get it done. And Onesimus goes back and he brings this report. And you know what he shows there? Go back, to, go, go back to Colossians chapter 4 for just a moment. He says about this, about, about Onesimus, I mean, he's saying this as he's, dry, as, as he's written this letter, and I don't even think the ink is dried on the parchment. He says, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things that are done. You know what he's doing there? He's saying, listen, this man Onesimus is a faithful messenger. I can trust him with the message. I can trust him with the letter. Hey, watch this today. Can God trust you and me with the gospel? Are you a faithful messenger of the gospel? Listen, we could talk about a lot of things, and we know a lot about this, know a lot about that. Hey, what to God that everybody in this room would major on the gospel and be a faithful messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ? He was a courier with a good report, a trustworthy message. We've seen the captive, we've seen the criminal, we've seen his conversion, we've seen his conciliation, we've seen his courier as I close tonight. Would you notice the conclusion tonight? Go back to the book of Philemon. <clears throat> I want you to notice verse 11. And I'm done. Now I can't even give you an illustration. We're, gonna, we're done. The illustration was the passage. Amen. Look at verse 11 and listen to me. In time past unprofitable, but now profitable. Amen. Did they get right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Was there revival? I believe so. Were people helped? I believe so. In time past, unprofitable, but now profitable. May I say this tonight? It doesn't matter, okay, at this point in time, I said this last week as we were looking at Matthew chapter 20 at the parable of the 11th hour and the laborers. It doesn't matter at this point in time what you didn't do last year. And it doesn't matter what you didn't do this past week. And it doesn't matter what you didn't do the last 20 years. It doesn't matter about the right. What matters is right now, right now, right now, be profitable right now. Amen? Be profitable right now. Be beneficial right now. Be a blessing right now. Be productive right now. Be profitable right now. Be forgiving right now. Be spirit-filled right now. Be profitable right now. Time passed, you're unprofitable, but now you're profitable. And by the way, that's not the preacher saying that. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying that to you and me. That's the conclusion. The profitable Christian. You know what's profitable tonight? God, you spoke to me. I want you to know I'll do more than you asked me to do. Be profitable to one another. Be profitable 
for the future of the church. Be profitable for the generation coming up. Be profitable for every special event the church has. Don't get to the place of saying, we've got too many things going on. I wish we'd back off. You won't say that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We won't say that. You're not profitable if it's your way and not God's way. You can't have ten, a ten-headed monster going ten different directions, ten different opinions, ten different people. There's one head, and that, G, that head of the body is Jesus Christ. I'm found the Lord as God leads me. And I can tell you this tonight, whether you do this or not, I've decided in my heart, in time past, unprofitable, but now profitable. Our society needs this church. Our school system, all of our school systems need this church. Our area needs the Lord. In time past, unprofitable. But now profitable. Be somebody God can use. And by the way, he wants to use us. Aren't you glad about that tonight? Amen. He wants to use us tonight. Paul said, whatever he owes you, I will repay it. Here's my signature. I write it with my, my own hand. You know what Paul's saying? He does owe you money. But in the big picture of things, that doesn't matter. The big picture of things is you love the church. And the church loves you. Anesmus needs to come back as a member of the church. Anesmus is coming back a different man. He's a saved man. And you can, he's willing to come back and to be your slave. But even though he's your slave, he's also your brother. You've got to do him right. Young people, do your parents right. Parents, do your kids right. Church members, do one another right. By the way, let's do Jesus right. Father, tonight we thank you for the story about Onesimus. What a story in time past, unprofitable, but now profitable. His life speaks volume of a man who had to, who had took a long journey to find the Lord. I think in eternities, we'll sit down with Onesimus up in heaven. We'll ask him a lot of questions. What a roundabout way for a man to get saved, get his life turned around. And a terrible situation was made right again. Dear Lord, tonight, I'm not really even sure how to give the invitation. But I do know this. But what's spoken of here is about the Christian life and realizing there are rough spots along the way. God, your great desire for all of us is to be profitable with our testimony and with our words, with our involvement, with our praying, with our fellowship, in our subordination and acknowledging you as Lord. And Father, tonight, in many, many ways, I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to us about Onesimus and Philemon, two model Christians who did the right thing. There's some right things we need to do tonight that should press our hearts and move us tonight. Lord, be Lord of this invitation time. 
If someone here is not saved before they leave tonight, I pray they'd get saved and come to Christ. I commit this to you now, Lord, and pray that the Spirit of God will continue His work in our lives and our heart right now as we extend the invitation. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with me? And if God impressed on your heart, you come, whatever God's put on your heart tonight. Would you come tonight? In times past, unprofitable, but now profitable. I wonder tonight, Onesimus stole. Are the things we've taken advantage of, we need to repay? Will a man rob God? Are we running? Onesimus ran away. And Paul pointed him back. He said, you got to go back home, son. We might be in church, but maybe in our heart we're running. Come home. Out of my bondage and my sorrow night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Their perception about people, about things is so warped and, and so messed up. And God's perspective on everyone and everything. In time past, unprofitable, but now profitable. Now is what counts. Now is accepted time. Now. Lord, tonight, thank you for a good evening service. And it was just a wonderful day in the house of God. And Lord, thank you for meeting with us and for your word that, that's, that, that's living and vibrant and real. Have your way tonight, Lord. I pray we've made some decisions for these next few days and maybe the next few months. That God, you'll lay hold of our heart. Help us not to waste time. Waste our years. To be profitable. To be a blessing. To be valuable. To be beneficial. To be productive. Help us tonight, Lord, to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor for Christ is not in vain. I thank you for filling our souls and speaking our hearts tonight. We pray all these things of you, Lord, now in Jesus' name. Amen.